and I would encourage you for those of us that were in that service. How many of us were in that service on Wednesday? How was it? I would encourage you go get that message and listen to it. If you were not in church, go stream it, download it, and listen to it over and over again. If you don't listen to the, med, um, the midweek recharge messages, the Wednesday services for this quantum leap, you are going to miss a greater part of what God wants to do this month. So I'd encourage you, go listen to it. It will be a blessing to you. So this morning, we'll continue our discourse on repositioning for a quantum leap. Repositioning for a quantum leap. Repositioning for a quantum leap. This morning, I want to start out from Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 2 to 3. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 2 to 3. Then we'll read Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. In both verses, God is actually saying the same thing. And the reason why I want us to see these passages of scripture is because there is something we need to understand about God. Every time something is repeated, especially within, you know, a short time frame, we need to pay attention to that thing. So in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 6 to 7, the Bible says the Lord that God spoke unto us in Oreb saying, you have dwelt long in this mount. Turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites and unto all the places near thereunto in the plain, in the hills and in the vale and in the south and by the seaside. He said to the land of the Canaanites and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the, the river Euphrates. But my emphasis is on that verse 6, right? And slash verse 7. It says, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. Resume your journey and go. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you. You say, you have stayed too long where you currently are. You are not saying it like you ought to say. You say, you have stayed too long where you currently are. Tell that person it's time for a repositioning. In Deuteronomy 2 and verse 2 to 3, let's see that also. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 2 to 3. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 2 to 3. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 2 to 3. The Bible says, and the Lord spoke unto me, saying, you have what? Come past this mountain long enough turn you northward so what is said in the first verse or in the first chapter of that book if you notice it said the lord that god said to us but now we're saying the lord spoke unto me so there are instructions god will give us corporately as a people but when god comes to you especially after a service and you begin to hear certain words ringing in your spirit then it simply means God wants you to pay close attention to those things. For instance, all through this quantum leap, there are many things that will be said all through the month, but there are certain things that you will know keeps ringing in your spirit. That may just be God's own word to you. So the Bible says the Lord God spoke unto me saying, you have compassed this mountain long enough, and I don't know what that mountain may be in your own specific situation, but I pray for you that in this month of May, that whatever mountain that you have been compassing long enough, that in this month of May, God will reposition you out of stagnation. In the name of Jesus. You see, it is possible, I, I can't remember when I said this, right? But I know I said it recently. That current success can become future failure. And the thing about success is that most times, when people over-celebrate it, they don't even know 
the, the success has expired. One of the ways you know is to check the testimonies you are sharing or the things that look so big to you. If what looks big to you last year still looks big to you this year, it simply means you have not conquered any mountain this year. When David fought the lion and the bear, that was not the only thing he celebrated in his life. That was enough testimony to last someone in a lifetime. But a time came in the life of David that he said, I'm not just going to stay with the victory over the lion and the bear. I'm going to bring down with Goliath. When he brought down the lion and the bear, right, the Bible tells us that the lion and the bear came after his father's, you know, flock. So that was like a business victory. But the time came when David said, no, it's not just about having success in business, right, or in career. It is time for me to take on a bigger tax. Because when he brought down Goliath, it was solving a national problem. Goliath was not just a warrior. Goliath was a national threat. And so when David defeated Goliath, right, he brought down another mountain. He scaled another idol, as it were. And David didn't just stay there. He kept advancing. He kept advancing. So you and I need to realize that we can consistently experience a quantum leap in our lives. Where you currently are is not all God has for you and I. Where we currently are is not God's best for us. The best of God is always in the future, not in the past. I'm going to say that again. The best of God is always in the future and not in the past. That's why he says the path of a just man is as a shining light. And it shines more and more even unto the perfect day. So his best is ahead of you. I want you to say to yourself, say my best days are ahead of me. Oh, you're not saying it like you mean it. Say my best days are ahead of me. So you've got to believe that, that your best days, they are ahead of you. They are not in the past. They are not in the past. They are not in the past. They are ahead of you. And one of the things we have established, right, is that a quantum leap is a breakthrough progress and advancement that is sudden to the public. It is sudden to the public, but it is not sudden to those who experience it. I've had a couple of people, you know, I've been privileged to meet a lot of successful people in my life. And one of the things I've realized that is a common theme with all of them is that even though they are excited and grateful for how God has brought them, but it was not a shock. Because they knew, they didn't know the specific time it was going to happen, but they knew it was going to happen. They knew something was going to be extraordinary about their life. They knew because nobody experiences a quantum leap without preparing for it or positioning for it. Am I making sense this morning? We also said a quantum leap is an achievement whose process is not chronological in nature. And the illustration I gave is for instance, someone that wants to move from a level 1 to a level 10. You see, the natural order says if you're going to go to level 10, you should move from level 1 to level 2, level 3, level 4, right? In that chronological order. But a quantum leap is you move from level 1, you move to 7, right? And when people expect that, oh, from 7 you move to 8 again, then from 7 you move to the 50. And for, so it simply means it's not chronological in nature. If you were to explain it, it cannot be empirically or experientially validated. What that simply means is you cannot necessarily describe, right, or articulate a quantum leap through someone else's experience. And that's why you realize that for everyone that experienced a quantum leap in scripture, right, they all express a quantum leap in different ways. For instance, you look at Esther. Esther was, you know, um, uh, an orphan. 
This was someone that was a captive, yet she became a queen from nowhere, seemingly from nowhere. But you see, like I told us, it is always something to the public, but it's not something to the ones that are experiencing. Why was Esther able to maintain that position? Because somebody mentored her. Somebody groomed her for that position. You see, that's why the day there was an announcement for an opening, a beauty pageant in the palace, Mordecai was able to spot that opportunity. And the Bible says he positioned her and told her when you get there, don't reveal your identity. Because there is a purpose for which God is sending you into that place. Look at someone like Joseph. It was sudden to everyone, even his brothers, when they saw him 13 years later after they sold him. But to Joseph, it was not sudden. It was a process. He had been going through a process all his life. And the Bible says, you see, when your clouds are full, the Bible says they will empty themselves upon the earth. So to express a quantum leap, you must ensure that you keep loading your clouds. And not just with prayers, but by the consistent application of certain truths. And one of the things I also I said that I want to reestablish is that you must clarify your purpose for desiring a quantum leap. Because the Bible says that God weighs the thoughts and the intents of man. Media, please readjust that time is wrong. That countdown is not correct. Right? So, you need to realize that for everything God will do in your life, he will check your motive. Especially when it is something massive. That's why when Esther got into the palace and she was going to forget the reason why she was there, the Bible says that Mordecai had to send her a message. You are in that place for such a time as this. If you lose sight of that fact, God will raise up a deliverer from somewhere else. So your motive is very important. You see, in fact, why you do what you do, I've said that a couple of times, is always more important than what you are doing. And the thing about the thoughts, our desires and motive, is that it is so loud to God, like our words are loud to men. So God hears your thoughts as men hear your words. I may not know why you want what you want, but you see, God knows why. Actually, I remember many years ago as a young Christian, I used to be so concerned. You know, I'll see maybe a brother or a sister in church who is very prayerful. You know, they do this. They seem to be very committed and all those things. And sometimes I just see their life. And there was no results. Then certain things don't match up. You know, and I was concerned. And one day the Holy Spirit said to me, said, you only see what people want you to see. You really don't know what their life outside church. It is what you see in church that makes you assume that this is who they are. He said, as far as, so some people, as far as you're concerned, they may just be living a double life. Some people, their motives may not be correct. And from that day, I never joined the party of the people that always say, but this person is outgoing. How come this is happening? You never truly know what people are doing behind the scenes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the thing is, God is a faithful God. He can never hold any man. Never. Never. And you need to understand that your motive is very important. So we rounded up last week by saying repositioning for a quantum leap is a byproduct of a personal responsibility. A byproduct of a personal responsibility. In Joshua 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. It says, But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So the word thou in <laughs> old English simply means you. So we say the word you be repeated over and over again. 
If you're going to have good success, if you're going to have a quantum leap, the you factor is a critical factor. God will not do for you what he has given you the capacity to do for yourself. God will not do for you what he expects that you should do for yourself or what he has equipped you to do for yourself or what he knows that you have the ability to do by yourself. He will never do that. For him to do that simply means he will be raising irresponsible children. And God does not raise irresponsible children. He doesn't. Because a child that you don't allow to do the things that he's capable of doing, eventually such children will self-destruct. That's why you see, let me leave that. Praise the Lord. So a positioning for a quantum leap is a byproduct of personal responsibility. Number two is individualistic. It's individualistic. That was what we stopped. Number three, it is birthed through vision. It is birthed through vision. Genesis 13 and verse 14 to 15. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, After Lot was separated from him, Lift up now your eyes, And look from the place where you are, Northward and southward, Eastward and westward. He says, For all the land that you have prayed for. Is that what he says? Can we all read it together? Verse 15. For all the land that what? That you have fasted for. That you have what? For all the land which you see, to you will I do what? Will I give it? So if you are praying for it, but you are not seeing it, you still may not get it. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. I want us to say something very critical this morning. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. And this is one of the reasons why praying in tongues is very powerful. Let's look at the screen together, everybody. Let's read together. One to go. Call upon me and I will do what? I will answer you. How? By showing you great and mighty things which you know not of. So let me tell you this. When you pray, how God answers, one of the critical ways he answers, right, is by showing you pictures. It's by giving you a vision. Because according to one of the greatest laws of the earth, if you can't see it, you can't get it. You must see it first. You must see it first. So it is birthed through vision. If you're going to express a quantum leap, you must see yourself as somebody worthy of expressing a quantum leap. You must have that picture. You may not know exactly when it's going to happen. You see that in the life of everyone that expresses the scriptures. Especially you see someone like Joseph. From the age of 17, he began to have dreams. And let me tell you this. You don't only need to catch a vision when you are sleeping. You can catch a vision for your life through observation. I remember many years ago, Dr. David Oedepo said he went to Oral Roberts University. You know, and this was a university built by another man of God many years ago. It's not that God, as it were, told him, start Covenant University and Landmark University. He said he got there and he was so inspired. And he said to himself, this can happen anywhere. That's a vision. He said, this can happen anywhere. He prayed about it. He got the release to do it. And they went ahead. And look at what the university has become today. Many of us, the ideology of vision we have is the only thing that happens when you are snoring. No, 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 no. no. You can catch a vision through observation. You can catch a vision through inspiration. But please understand this. Whatever you don't see, you will never cease. The next thing you need to understand about a quantum leap is that it is inspired by dissatisfaction with the status quo. It is inspired by dissatisfaction with the status quo. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. The Bible says concerning Jabez that he was more honorable than his brethren. And I've told us this a couple of times 
And many of us, when we think about Jabez, we think about someone, you know, who is broke, busted, and disgusted. Someone who nothing is working for. But that's not what the Bible tells us about Jabez. That's what some people have erroneously taught. First Chronicles, you can have it on the screen. I would appreciate it for everyone to see it. First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9 to 10. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. The first thing the Bible tells us about Jabez. Can we read together? One to go, everyone. And Jabez was what? More honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you will bless me. And do what? Bless me indeed and enlarge my course. And that your hand may be upon me. And that you will keep me from evil. That it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he did what? Requested. But see, the first thing the Bible says was that he was already more honorable than his brethren. It means he was doing better than his siblings. Than his family members. But you see, he was not satisfied. See, one of the things you need to pay attention to in your life is your level of satisfaction. If you are someone that is easily satisfied, this one too is okay. Let's just be managing. God did not send his son Jesus to die for you on Calvary's cross so that you will just be managing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says he will grant unto us the desires of our hearts. And so the Bible tells us that he was already more honorable, but yet he still hacks for an enlargement of territory. He has got to bless him. Why? Because he was not satisfied with where he was. So if you're going to express a quantum leap, you need to understand that he's also inspired by dissatisfaction with the status quo. If you are okay with where you are, you will never express a quantum leap. So there is a measure of dissatisfaction that must consistently be in your life. As regards your business, as regards your career, as regards your finances. I remember some years back, I heard about someone, you know, who was staying in a particular apartment. You know, it's a big compound. And everybody in the area literally thought, you see, that this particular tenant is the landlord of that house. You know why? He has lived in that house for over 20 or 30 years. Such that even when they want to do anything, it's the one the landlord sends to the other tenants. It's the one that collects the money, does everything. Has become satisfied. That kind of a person may die in the house. Because already satisfied. Everybody in the area believes he's the owner of the house. That's satisfaction. It's satisfaction. I pray for you that this, this month, God will increase your hunger. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You see, because the thing about hunger is nobody can be hungry for you. Haven't you noticed sometimes when someone is beside you and say, I'm hungry. And you just finish eating a bowl of pounded yam. Do you feel their hunger? What can you do at best? Say, go and get something to eat now. Nobody can be hungry on your behalf. Hunger is very personal. It's very personal. That's why sometimes, you see, over the years, I used to be so concerned when I, when I see some people's drive. I wonder what's wrong with this person. But over the years, I got to understand, you can't be hungry on people's behalf. You can only inspire people. That's even when they want to be inspired. If they choose to be inspired. You can't be hungry on people's behalf. You can only inspire them to be hungry. The same way you can't be dissatisfied on people's behalf. Some people are just okay. Three bedroom is a mansion. To them, say, ah, once, you know, <laughs> they quote this scripture of Lemuel, a man that was not saved. Say, God, don't give me too much, lest I sin against you. <laughs> I said, don't make me hungry, so that I will not curse you. Give me enough to eat. That's not covenant. 
What God said to Abraham is, I will bless you and make you a blessing. He said, you will be a blessing to all nations. The satisfaction will start us quo. Also, we need to understand that the quantum leap, I'll talk about that the next Sunday. I'll add two more to that. But let me just tell us the required repositioning for a quantum leap. Required repositionings for a quantum leap. Required repositionings. It's very critical because I want to focus on this this morning. Number one is mental repositioning. To reposition for a quantum leap, the first area of repositioning is in your mind. Is where? Your mind. That's where it starts from. You can never, somebody say never. I want you to shout to say never. See, write this down and never forget it. You can never rise in life above your level of thinking. Never. Never. Nothing can break that law. That's why you see people that win lottery. People that receive inheritance. People that receive gifts of some sorts. That is bigger than their level of thinking. What usually happens huh, is that eventually what they have been given comes back to their level of thinking. Somebody has said, and I believe it, that if they take all the world's wealth and they redistribute it among all the almost 8 billion people on the earth, within one year, the money will go back to the people who have the most today and it will leave the hands of the people who have the least. Because let me tell you this, it's not only lack of opportunities that keep people where they are. It's a lack of correct thinking. Some of those thinking I'm going to address this morning. Because there are some thinking that literally holds you back from experiencing a quantum leap. That's what the Bible says, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Can we have it on the screen? I want to see it. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Everybody, let's read together. One to go. Let's read out loud. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or what? Above what we ask or what? So it simply means in the realm of the spirit, your asking and your thinking carry the same weight. He said God is able to do according to what you ask or think. So you know the problem with many people? They are acting positively, but they are thinking negatively. And according to the law of mathematics, we say, I know God didn't create mathematics. Really? Man discovered it. God created it. Plus times minus, we always create what? Did we study math in school? Plus times minus, it was what? Minus. So many of us, we have prayed. We calibrate intensity in December 26. Six hours at a stretch. We have asked positively in every area of life. But by February, if I break through festival, your expectation was so high. But February, cash scarcity started. See this country self. How will somebody break through in this country? Negative thinking has started. And in the realm of the spirit, your thinking is as powerful as your accent. So the problem with many of us is we don't balance our thinking. It does not align with our accent. And we're wondering, oh, why, why is, is God not faithful? But he said, if I ask, yes, but he also said, think. I think it's Philemon. I can't remember the specs because Philemon only has one chapter. He says, without your mind will I do nothing. 
without your mind. There's a particular guy in scriptures. His name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. He was royalty. But this guy lived his life like a non-entity. And we're going to see why. Second Samuel chapter 9 verse 5 to 8. Let's have it on the screen please. Second Samuel chapter 9 verse 5 to verse 8. Second Samuel chapter 9 verse 5 to verse 8. I want us to follow closely as I read it. The Bible says that King David sent and fetched him, that's Mephibosheth, out of the house of Maka, the son of Amiel, from Lodiba. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did obeisance or reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold your servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. And he, Mephibosheth, bowed himself and said, What is thy servant? That, I should look, that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am. Did you see why nobody remembered him? Why he was forgotten? He didn't even say to look like a dog as I am. A dead one. You know that's the way many believers see themselves. And sometimes they cover it up in humility. Say, hey, who I am? As I told some, see, some nonsense prayers people pray. They think they are trying to impress God. Or to make you see all those is rubbish. Say, God, we, we, I mean that I'm a sinner. You are still a sinner after you give your life to Christ. Really? You know, all those things. I think that as they say those things, God will look at them and say, oh, you oh, are come, come. That's rubbish. So why would you look on such a dead dog as I am? He didn't even say a dog. He said a dead dog. How do you see yourself? When you think about yourself, how do you think about yourself? How? That's the problem with many people. That's the reason why a lot of people never ascend. Never experienced some levels of liftings in life because in their mind it has never occurred to them that they can ever experience it. It just has never occurred to them. They see certain things and believe that it is beyond their destiny. I told myself years ago, there is nothing that is too expensive for me. I may choose not to buy it. But if they produce it for a human being, it's not too expensive. That's oh, this is too expensive. Nothing is too expensive. There are only people who can afford it. Put your own price tag on your products and your service. There are always people that can buy it. If you know where to position yourself. If you don't know your level of thinking, you know how to know your level of thinking. Number one, look at your current level of results. That's your level of thinking. as that may be it's the truth because you can't produce beyond your level of thinking number two if you want to know your level of thinking look at the people around you that you are most comfortable with that's your level of thinking because like they say water we always find this level the people we are most comfortable with are usually the people that match our level of thinking most times 
It is only in very rare cases when people put themselves in environments that challenges their thinking, that makes them uncomfortable. And let me tell you this. If you're going to experience a quantum leap, you must consciously put yourself in situations that make you uncomfortable. To always be in a state of comfort will live in your comfort zone for life. So repositioning for a quantum leap is first within and then without. That's why in Proverbs 23 and verse 7, the Bible says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the question is, do you expect a quantum leap? Do you even believe you can experience it? Do you believe it? Do you expect a quantum leap in your business, in your career, in your finances? Or do you expect your life to be on continuous slow motion? You know, some of the things we tell ourselves, eh, slow and steady wins the race. None of us have said that before. They've even counseled you that way. Say, slow and steady wins the race. That's in the story of the tortoise and the rabbit. You are not a tortoise in that you are a rabbit. If you are too slow in life, you may never end up at your destination. He says, from the thinnest parts that you eat more and more. You've had that before. Those of us that are Yorubas. Why? I have a bowl of moimo in front of me. So I have to eat it from the thing. Why can't I eat from the biggest part? It's poverty thinking. The way some of us, you want to eat rice. You will eat all the rice. Then you now eat the protein. It's poverty. In case you don't know. The thinking has even affected the way you eat. So as you are eating, you are using spoon to push away the this, <laughs> and we come back to you. <laughs> when you don't, what you don't realize is that protein should be the main food because too much carbs is not good for your body. Remember, someone came to visit us a while back, and the president had the opportunity of serving my food. When the president asked me, I said, "This is my house. You don't serve me with one protein. Go back and add to it. This is my house." Maybe that's how you eat in your own house, but in my own house, they don't serve me like that. Because this is the real food. Who will mount the rice and now put what in fact, even the fish is quarter of quarter of fish. You go to the market to buy it, you say, when they cut it, eh, as we get cut it again. <laughs> Oh dear, that is coming to an end. In the name of Jesus. But you know where it starts from? Here. I say, Pastor, you don't understand because we have money. That's how to have money. It starts here. It starts here. You don't have money first from the outside. You have it first from the inside. Because you know what? Your thinking is magnetic in nature. Whatever you are thinking about, you will eventually attract into your life. It's only a matter of time. Whatever thoughts you hold consistently in your mind, is only a matter of time. You see, you will just realize one day that your level of past thinking has become your current reality. So whatever is going to become your normal in the future must be your consistent thinking right now. Right now. So I'm thinking I want us to pay attention to is number one, possibility thinking versus difficulty thinking. Where do you fall? 
possibility thinking or difficulty thinking. In 2 Kings 3.18, the prophet said, oh, but this is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. They wanted to fight a battle and the kings were afraid, so they came to Elisha. Elisha said, oh, this is but a light thing in the house of, hands of the Lord. That's possibility thinking. Unlike the elders in Israel who said, ah, we are not able, Numbers 13, I believe that should be verse 32, said we are not able to go into the land though because we are like grasshoppers. So we are not able, the people are stronger than us. That is difficult to thinking. When you are confronted with a project where you want to take a step, you want to do something new in your life, do you have possibility thinking or difficulty thinking? The next type of thinking is productivity thinking versus activity thinking. Please write these things down. It will help you. It will, let it be a litmus test for checking how you are thinking. Some of us, as you set goals, you have, already, you have already told yourself how impossible. Another word for difficulty thinking is impossibility thinking. So the second way you need to pay attention to that you're thinking is productivity thinking versus activity thinking. See, see, see. Guys, listen to me. I want to say something. Everybody look at me. Doing more and working harder does not guarantee success. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The poorest people are usually the most hard workers. So, productivity and activity are not the same thing. It is good to be active, but make sure you are productively active. See, less is always more. It is not doing more that makes people success. That's why most times when I look at people who pride in us and say, I'm a hustler. Inshallah, go check you will die early. No problem. Keep at it. It's by doing what you see. There's something called the Pareto principle. It says 20% of your activity will give you 80% of your results. So it simply means everybody needs to sit down, analyze their life, and ask themselves, what makes me most productive? What gives me the greatest result? Delegate or eliminate the 80%. Focus on the 20% and you will get greater results. That's why sometimes when you look at people that are more successful, it seems as if compared to you, they are not doing much. How many of us have felt that way? But really, what's this person doing? Ah, they are doing what is productive. They are not just active. Well, check it. The people that struggle the most in life, they are most one of the most hard workers. You see them doing so much. But you see, for you to know that what you are doing is productive, the question you need to ask yourself is, what value is he adding? You can't say you are engaged in productivity if you are not creating value. Not creating value. So productivity thinking says you are asking yourself, okay, this thing I'm doing, what value is it adding to people? And what category of people is it adding value to? What is my activity contributing? And who is it contributing to? So what is the value? The value of what you're doing. What is the economic value? What is the social value of what you're doing? The next way of thinking we need to pay attention to is victor thinking versus victim thinking. Victor thinking versus victim thinking. And this one is very important. You hear in our own country, they say poor man, they suffer. People are going through stuff and saying, so what are you even doing to the poor man? Poor man, you know, the masses. And you are saying that. And you expect not to remain a poor man. 
Because you have categorized yourself as part of the poor men that are suffering. All the things I said to myself, these things don't happen to me, they happen for me. Because the Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 28, it says, For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. I may not understand what is happening at the moment, but it can only turn out for my good. But you know, when you have a victim mindset, a victim way of thinking, you believe that everybody's against you. Oh, they are doing this against me. Why me? Why is this happening? Next is abundance thinking versus scarcity thinking. Abundance thinking versus scarcity thinking. People who have scarcity thinking, they believe that things are not enough. Opportunities are not enough. Clients are not enough. There is not enough money. But people who have an abundant way of thinking, they believe that what I have is enough for my next level. What I have is enough. Oh, you may be a widow. Your sons are about to be taken as collateral. But Elisha will not tell you that you don't have enough. Because in your house, there is a jar of oil that can reproduce the miracle you are trusting God for. What do you have is enough for your next level. Oh, David, you may not know how to use a sword. How to put on the helmet and the king's armor. But you have a sling and five smooth stones. It is enough for your next level. That's abundance thinking. Scarcity thinking says, it is what I don't have that I need. You know, when you ask the average person, why are you not doing this? They say, I don't have, I don't have. What about what you have? Oh, you are a business person. Why are you not capturing this product? Why are you not putting it in your life? Say, because I don't have a good phone. Because you don't have a good phone. So, if you don't have a good phone, your business will never make progress. And it's because I don't have a rich uncle. And it's because I'm not living in, in VGC. It's because I don't know anybody in Banana Island. Really. For people with scarcity thinking, it is what they don't have that they believe they always need. They never see value in what they have. Never. Another thing you need to pay attention to is focus thinking versus hustler's thinking. Focus thinking versus hustler's thinking. Hustlers hmm. believe one road does not lead to the market. Is your life a market? One road. So they believe you do this, you do this, you do this. But you do many things. Jesus said, if your eyes be single, your whole body shall be full of light. You have to be focused. Nobody experiences a quantum leap without being focused. Without being focused. You don't dissipate your energy all over the place. That's why when a pilot is about to take off, nothing else matters. I tell everybody, switch off your phone. Because they don't want anything to, because they don't want networks to be jamming inside the cockpit. That focus is very critical. At that time, if there is an emergency, his mom is about to die in the hospital, it does not matter. What matters is getting that airplane in the sky. When your energy is dissipated everywhere, you are doing this, you are only you importer, exporter, forwarder, importer, you know. When they ask anything, I do this. This is what you do it. Everything you do it. Continue. Importer of iron rod, wig, bag, lady shoe, men's suit. Only you. 
And it's not like you're operating a group of companies with different people managing it. You are the one managing everything. You're not carrying five phones around like a Yahoo boy. Two phones here, two phones here, one in your pocket. The phone is ringing. You don't know which one is ringing. You have to put everything on the table. Which one is ringing? You won't live long that way. Some of us, we've seen such things. And we think, ah, that is life. Ah. Maybe you saw a family member, an uncle. Ah, that's how to be busy. No, that's how to die early. As I round up this morning, the other thinking I want to, I'll give us two more next week Sunday is responsibility thinking versus predestination thinking. Responsibility thinking versus predestination thinking. You see, if you believe that there is nothing you do that will change the outcome of your life, you will never advance in life. You know, some people have that mindset. So, whatever people we become, God has determined it. Orilo Meniola is your head that, okay, if it is the head that determines who will succeed, how come when you were coming to the earth, you chose the wrong head? Something wrong with you? I couldn't have chosen the wrong head. You know, that's how they say it. That is the head that has chosen who will succeed. Why is it that it's your own that will not succeed? Why? Why? And there are certain tribes, certain religions that believe that some people's destiny to succeed and to take care of other people. Some of us, you have people very rich in your family and you are angry that they didn't help you. That anger will keep you in this perpetual state of lack and defeat. Because it is nobody's responsibility to help you. That's why when the women, when they were hugging and they came to the king in the days of famine in Israel, I said, help the king. Oh, Lord, the king. The king replied and said, how can I help you if God has not helped you? Let me tell you this. There is no human being. Human beings are naturally selfish. There is no human being that wakes up in a day and is thinking of helping another human being. Except their heart has been circumcised. They have come to a level of maturity spiritually. And God puts you in their hearts. Nobody. And people wake up in the morning. They only think about themselves. Some don't even think about their family. Is it you they will now think about? You are now angry. And they didn't do this. They didn't do that. They are not obliged to do it. Let your attention be on God. You must get to that point in your life that your thinking is, if it is going to happen, it is up to me. Not predestination. If it will happen, it will happen. God will do it really. Don't be like the man at the pool of Bethesda that waited for 38 years, waiting for another man to tell him to do what Jesus told him 38 years after to do. Take up your bed and walk. He could have done that 38 years ago. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for the seed of your word has been sown in our hearts. The word says, as a man thinks it is that so he eventually becomes. We ask this morning that even as we hear your word all through this month, that you will renew our minds, even to begin to think on the same frequency with heaven. Help us to see things the way you see them. Help us to think the right way. Help us to think the way you want us to think. Help us to see things the way you are seeing them. Give us new visions. Give us new dreams. In the name of Jesus. Show us the picture concerning our future. Reveal to us where you are taking us to. We ask this morning that every thinking, every belief system that does not align with your purpose and your plan for us, this morning it is pulled down in the name of Jesus.
I decree and I declare that all through this month and beyond, you will make the heart of every man and every woman a good ground for the incorruptible seed of your word to take root and bear fruit. Let our results be evident for all to see. We give you the thanks and the praise, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. And everybody say a very big amen. Let's celebrate the Lord Jesus.